Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is going to be about tax increment financing. Hold on to your pants. Here we go. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. All right, welcome everybody. My name is Jared Perry, and today we're going to be chatting about tax intimate, intimate, intimate <laughs> tax increment financing, better known as TIFs. Um, I'm here this morning with the Yoda of all things government, Brett Alfin. Hey, everybody, and Sam Tooten of Sixmo City Services. What's going on? Um, so. TIFs. This is just yes. one kind of, you know, tool or lever we can pull, right? Yeah, we are strictly talking about one in one way out of many to subsidize or incentivize development. So, yep. Yeah. And this is TIFs is one of them. We're going to kind of dive into it. I've got my thoughts on it from the private side, um, but I want to get you guys' academic take on what it is how it works pros cons from the government side and then academic take you know like that (laughs) i like that ready um so diving in here give me the ten thousand foot view ten thousand well that's it right there pretty much um you know it is uh one way uh or one public financing method uh, that will help subsidize development costs development costs by redirecting future property taxes toward a project. So um, I think there are a lot of times they're 25 years, 20 years um, in districts. I think you could have 10, um, you know, but it's going to be for substantially a good amount of time. Yeah, up to 30 years. The idea is, the basic idea is this. Um, At the beginning of a project, you designate properties or parcels that are going to be exempt from this property tax. So you establish a base tax rate for that property. Then from that point forward, any improvements that are made to that property, which yield an increase in property tax assessment value, Mm -hmm. that additional money is held over in a special account that can be used for infrastructure improvements and other improvements at that property for the period of time that you've specified at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then when that time is over, Mm -hmm. then that property becomes assessed at its full value plus the improvements that have been made. So you're increasing the, the post TIF revenue as well. Yeah. So you, so again, you're holding a base value that you're going to be assessed during that period. Mm-hmm. Any improvements that go to that held over in a special fund that you can use for improvements, infrastructure, other things on that property. That's the kind of basic outline of how it, how it works. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm going to, let's just give a, a an example here. If I'm going to, redevelop an existing property because correct me if i'm wrong typically this happens these districts get created around areas that are uh, not ideal or or places you'd like to see improvement Mm -hmm. um, rather than places that are already actively being developed Um, i think i think what you're saying is our experience of what's happened yeah okay which I think is maybe not the exact best, 
you know, uh, deployment of this resource. So what you're saying is true. I just think that's how it's happened here. I think it can happen anywhere. You know, Mm -hmm. you can designate the properties anywhere. I think it can happen anywhere. It can happen anywhere, buddy. Um, but to your point, typically you're trying to do that in areas that need the most help. Yeah. It's what it was intended to do. Um, Yeah. And obviously the word blight just has its own definition based on. But it could be something that supplements, you know, a city's comprehensive plan or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, if the goal was to, you know, and I guess this is a a question I guess I would have. Um, If a goal is to have more housing, Mm -hmm. you know, multifamily housing, uh, and you've got a downtown like, say, Marietta's, and you've got loads and loads and loads of second and third floors of buildings that are just unused storage space right now. Yeah. Um, you could technically put a TIF in place, and I'm guessing you guys are going to tell me if I'm wrong, put a TIF in place in this area, which is already a heavily invested in district, but just solely for the second and third floors to convert to residential. Yeah. Can you put that many stipulations on it? Yeah. Definitely can. Okay. I think and to that point, I don't know if a lot of TIFs, a lot of communities look at TIFs that way. They sure. they they look at it in terms of the way it's it, always been done. The way it's always been done. Mm. But even so you look out, you know, your maybe maybe your major commercial corridor. The TIF is in this area that is now a um it, home to major retailers but also there's a road in there there's the public infrastructure part of it that is is going into it because now you have a a, a cute little shopping corridor that you can go off your beaten path and, and scroll down so you know it's used in that way and i think a lot of it obviously is development of of, of the corridor yep that's kind of done first and then the hopes is to bring the major retailers in because yep. now you've kind of stretched out your your corridor not looking at it the reversal of actually already made already your infrastructure you have in place, like you're, you're saying and incentivizing what you already have. They're putting it out there for the public infrastructure. It just happens to be attracting major retailers. Yeah. And I think Jared's, you know, I think what you're saying is like what might be more of an advanced use, you know, a higher level use, but most typically like Sam is saying, um, public transportation improvements, roads, utility extensions, um, public facility remediation, demolition, other public, you know, waterway enhancements. I mean, you know, very yeah. typical infrastructure improvements that are expensive, mm-hmm. um, that are typical, typically, you know, maybe barriers to additional investment in certain areas. So think about it as a tool to help set the table for yeah. the other investments that you're trying to bring to your community that you could do anywhere. But what you're describing as far as the second floor, I think that's a more advanced use of that, which is just as good as suitable as any, but I think most communities are kind of looking at the, the bread and butter of Mm -hmm. water sewer road kind of investments. Hmm. Um, going into the, the transaction of the property and how this takes place from the base value to the the post value. Mm -hmm. Is there a, with, let's say the person develops this property and it's five years into the 25 years or whatever, um, at the transaction of the property, if they sell that property, it immediately goes 
to post value. Is that correct in how that works? Yeah, I believe I, I believe it is only valid for the for the owner that yeah. applies for that. And so it's also important to know that these um, TIFs are evaluated annually. So yeah. there's a local committee that's formed, and like many, at least in Ohio, um, you know, you have to stipulate how many jobs are you going to create, mm-hmm. how many jobs are you going to retain, what are the other outcomes that you're going to produce based on this community investment in your TIF area, yeah. and each year your project is evaluated against those and that committee votes whether to continue the TIF or not. Now, if say Sam has a project and he's five years in to the 30 years and it, mm. he hasn't created any jobs, he hasn't retained any jobs or done anything, mm. that committee at the next annual review could vote to end that TIF mm-hmm. before the end of the project. So you have to meet, there, there's an expectation of performance in there that you have to meet in order to keep it, keep it going. Yeah. Mm. So there's an annual review process, which is an important, important part of that. And so we do that locally. Um, and I think that happens everywhere, but there is a, there is an accountability factor there with performance. Yeah. And to your point, Jared, I believe. And so I don't it's know, red tape for a developer. Probably. Yeah. But yeah. I, on the other side, I think it's also ensuring some benefit to our public investment that something is going to happen. I mean, we'll talk more about later about mm-hmm. what these actually go for, what we actually use these for in rural communities, as opposed to maybe what we should be. Yeah. And that's something I really want to get into later. Yeah. Well, let's, but, let's, let's do it. Go right into it. Cause I think that will help that helps steer that conversation of, of at least I think what maybe Jared's going to want to insert it in is the, is the private, like wh- why, why, why should, why should you as a public developer or a private developer, excuse me, you know, be interested in, in, into going after a TIF area. Well, sure. It's a, I'll give you the easiest example. Um, we are all married, right? Mm-hmm. If you asked each of our wives, what would be the number one investment we could make in our community or the number one business that would come to our town? What would it be? You know it. And I know it. Target. 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 <laughs> Target is my grandma. And says. so my argument would be, do we need to incentivize Target to come to our community? I think the answer is probably no. no. I, but I would argue, yeah. <laughs> historically, especially in rural communities, we we have collectively used TIFs to incentivize big box retail mm-hmm. and other things, as opposed to what I would argue, you know, why isn't there a TIF in downtown Marietta to support the business development and business activities that go on here that I would argue are maybe of higher intrinsic value than a big box store. And so my, my point in saying all that is I think this is a great tool. Mm -hmm. I think historically rural communities have focused it on things that would happen anyway. The market's going to bring those big box. They're going to make, they're going to do that algebra and figure out they're coming to their community, whether you've got this incentive or not. Yeah. Um, If you're going to give it away to them, sure. They're going to come. Yeah. So um, I think we've been maybe challenging ourselves and doing it a little bit wrong over the years and trying mm. to incentivize the wrong things that probably did not need incentivized. And here we are. I would 100% agree. That's I, on my notes for this. Um, I wrote, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of of it. And the main... As, as it is? As we've done it? As as we've done it. Yeah. Um, because it, I think a lot of times, at least what I've been seeing, especially watching the city council meetings and watching people comment on them now that they're live on Facebook... Um, there seems to be this thought out there that people that the that the city and elected officials, but at the city and county levels, 
you know, are really interested in bringing in outside development, outside yeah. people, and not focused on, you know, creating opportunities for development for local folks. Yeah. Um, and the difference being an outside developer is typically going to have much more capital than somebody here locally. Yeah. Um, and with that, you would have to change the structure of your, of your TIF, like you're talking about to have it include other things yep. than, you know, getting a big box site ready. That's, it's going to come anyway. Yeah. Um, from a developer standpoint, this thing does not move the needle for me at all. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me It's red tape. I would do it post, right? Like if you created one and I've already done the everything and it's yeah. already completed, I'd probably apply for it then just to drop the, you know, cash flow of a building, you know, or help improve the cash flow of a building. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't stop me from, it wouldn't, it wouldn't move the needle Yeah. to me. What's better. And we can talk about certainly things in other episodes for economic development, but the best thing that I look for, if I can get it in any way, shape or form is going to be subprime lending. It's a combination subprime lending or hundred percent loan to value or a combination thereof. Okay. Right. So if I can get a couple points under, you know, what, what a bank's going to give me. Yeah. And if I can get a hundred percent loan to value or 90% loan to value on a real estate property, um, that's going to move the needle because typically I'm going to have, and you know, just let's, let's, uh, there's a building for sale on second street for 175,000 bucks. I've walked through it. It needs probably $200,000 worth of work. So call it 400 grand. If I go to a bank, I'm going to have to have 30% of that right up front. Mm-hmm. If there is a mechanism here locally, and it may not be, it could be the county, it could be the port, it could be the community foundation or whatever. If there is a entity that's willing to do X amount of dollars, subprime, and 100% loan to value, that changes the amount of capital I have to come out of pocket, mm-hmm. right? And it it also incentivizes, you know, we talked about TIFs, that takes a little while for the, the community community to start seeing revenue if any off of that property yeah whereas if you're lending money you see it immediately right and from the developer standpoint these are much more small scale projects so who are you incentivizing you're incentivizing local developers yeah right so to me that moves the needle uh, both in small micropolitan areas and in major metropolitan well, think, areas. think about this that's that's interesting, Jared. So think about this. Think about if you wanted to make an investment in that property and it lacked suitable water service or mm-hmm. sewer service or transportation access that was kind of outside of your personal investment in the property. To me, that's that's what we're going to use the TIF money for Yeah. is to, because I want you to make your investment in the property and I'm going to incentivize you into making that investment by the community saying, we'll upgrade the water, we'll mm-hmm. upgrade the, the, we'll widen the road, um, we'll upgrade the gas service, you know, whatever it is. To me, that's what the TIF investment is for, is to do, yeah. make all those public investments that make your personal private investment possible. I mean, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I guess I just, to me, the community should be doing those things anyway. There's nothing ah, worse. There. Ah, there's yeah. nothing worse 
then and we have a you know a, a couple of organizations around here that you know are trying to bring in outside folks to to build manufacturing jobs and everything and one of my sticking points with that is if if a community is not willing to invest in itself why would i want to invest there yeah valid point yeah you know if why are you trying to sell me on something where you what do you mean this site and it doesn't have all this stuff and you want me to pay for it that it, this should be very easy for me to to conduct business yeah. in well, this in this place and i would also say if if you want people to invest in your community have a nice community have good parks have good schools yeah have good walkability if as you invest in the 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 community other people will come sure like it's not they'll want to redevelop these properties yeah. go take a that is a transcendent idea yeah. by the way we talk about that term a lot look at it from a, any any major metropolitan area where the city or community has invested in it adjacent there is success adjacent sure. directly I love that Jared has just of his own free will given the definition of the plight of Appalachia. I really love. Yeah. I love that. And I think <clears throat> to your point, Jared, you know, we're, I think we're all asking the questions of how can we invest in our reinvest in our communities. And I think that's the ultimate question we're all asking and knowing that I'll also offer this, you know, we're a lot of our communities are communities of high need, right? They're, they're small communities that they don't have a lot of resources to work with. And so what you end up with in the TIF world is like an arms race. Mm -hmm. I agree that maybe we're not using our TIFs to incentivize the right types of things, but everybody is using their TIFs in a mindset of desperation, right? We're all arming ourselves with TIFs so we can get the next big box thing. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, Sam, you're taking yourself out of the running before we even start. Yeah. And so it's almost like they have to, a community has to use it in these kind of maybe not highest and best use methods because everybody else is and I don't want to be left out and I want to at least give myself a chance because I'm an elected official and I'm accountable for that. So it's a real, I mean, you talk about a rock in a hard place yeah. is it's easy for me to sit here and say, well, you should be using your TIF to incentivize these areas of high value. True. But at the same time, everybody else has got their, their wallets out, their hands yeah. out saying, come to us, give us your thing. Yeah. We'll incentivize the heck out of it. And we don't want to be left out of that, even if it has marginal or, or questionable value. So it's, it's the desperation has made the situation even harder because everybody's approaching it that way. Exactly. Right. And I yeah. think that, I mean, maybe I'm just, I'm loving what, what you're hearing and I'm just you know, giving it to my, my own opinion. But if in that mindset, if everybody's doing that, then, then don't do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Invest in your community. Sure. Make it a wonderful place to live. Enhance yeah. the quality of life. Yeah. I, and I think we're just now coming to that. Yeah. I, I would argue we're just now coming out of the, the era of we got to move our commercial and retail out there so we can get the big stuff. Yeah. And we've now realized the value that, okay, we did that. And maybe it didn't mean what we thought it would mean. Yeah. It didn't do what we hoped it would do. And so now what do we, what do we have left? This, you know, our, our mm -hmm. kind of more local areas, our downtown areas, which have historic have historically produced and produced results and stuff like that. So yeah. I think we've learned to your point. I think we've finally, it took a learning experience for us to kind of come, come back to that. Maybe. Yeah. I have a point I want to bring up. Oh yes. In terms of, is it a hot take? It's a hot take. It just came to me. 
Nice. Uh, I've said in past episodes or pre-episodes, I'll mention that I don't live in the city of Marietta. I live in an area called Davola. Right now, there's a big issue that's been going on for over a decade about sewer. Has, I guess, and I don't know this, but the question would be, has a TIF ever been asked to use to help pay for that infrastructure to offset costs? So I don't know the exam- I don't know the, the answer to that exact question, Sam, but yeah. I can tell you this. In my day job, putting together infrastructure projects for communities, those projects are increasingly expensive. I yeah. mean, really expensive. Oh, yeah. And it takes four, three or four or five sources of funds to do a project, grant funds, loan funds. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see more often communities on the front end propose a TIF mm-hmm. or a CRA or other investment mechanism to meet the matching funds requirement for their water extension for their sewer improvement that never used to happen yeah to me that's a sign of how bad it is i mean how badly we need these investments how expensive they are and the challenges in getting the money to do these things and they're our communities are just filled with them i mean we have billions of dollars worth of infrastructure that is maybe has never been touched since it was installed. Yeah. So I don't know the answer to your exact yeah. question, but I can tell you that the TIF CRA investment model is coming into your very standard project development for what would normally be a very typical water extension yeah. because we need money. Yeah. And so I've never seen that before. So in 20 years, that's just starting to happen. It's, so, al- it's yeah. almost like, should, I have, should this question that I'm asking been asked 15 years ago? Sure, yes. When, when, when Davola was having the sewer, sewer issue. Um, yeah. What issue? Which, There's no, no issue. What issue? <laughs> well, and I something and, going on out there. And I that'd say, be in the news if there was something going on out there, right? <laughs> yeah, just just Google Davola sewer, <laughs> Marietta. But it, you know, I I do enjoy being in Davola. Um, although that uh, skirting I, those I, skirting those city taxes. That's why you like city it? taxes. And <laughs> thanks, yeah, Sam. Yeah, but on, uh, man. I can have an active voice against the city and not have any, <laughs> any yeah, ramifications. Yeah, yeah. yeah wonderful. <laughs> but. uh you know, how very American. <laughs> I'm a married man, so that's uh, I did. I lost that uh, battle of uh, <laughs> where we were living, but which you know, I live less than a mile away from my my grandma, my sister, and my mother-in-law. So um, it is nice at times. Um, but Davola is a desirable um, mm-hmm. neighborhood. Sure. So it's almost the TIF would have been. You know, I look at it in terms of sewer. In my own opinion, I don't really have. I don't have one. I don't. I don't. I don't care. It's it can come. Um, because I think long-term, I prop, it, my property value is always going to go up there as long as people are taking care of, of their property because um, it's going to be desirable. But, you know, why, why, why was that not looked at in terms of just in the very beginning is phenomenal? Because even then, it's always been a desirable place to live around here if you wanted to just be five, ten minutes away from town. But, you know, mm-hmm. have the uh, suburb life of, you know, knowing your neighbors, safe walk around the street. You yeah. know, so it's... That's 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 just my hot take. I don't. I I I I wonder why that's never been, never been approached. And because I, I again it's to these topics of tiffs, you know, they're used in so many different ways, and how you incentivize, and what you're incentivizing, and to even just use it as a public infrastructure in a very blighted area, so you would then have home. You know, people actually want to to improve the area. So to answer your question, Sam, think uh, back to our episode about elected officials okay a tiff can be created by a township Ooh. but we know that a township has three trustees and a clerk and that's it yeah. and so operating a tiff 
there's an administrator. So they need to reach out to their local regional council. They need to reach out to somebody. There, there, there's an administrative, there, there's an administrative burden there. Regional council, I never heard of it. Yeah, um, that sounds interesting. But they need, but they need administrative help. They, they would need administrative right. help. To your point, Davola mm-hmm. is an, is a town is not an incorporated community, so it'd fall on the township mm-hmm. to administer the TIF mm-hmm. and all the things that go along with that, and that's a burden. And so I would say right there is probably why it's never been considered because who's going to do that? Yeah, and maybe that's a role for Sam Tootin. Yeah, Sam Tootin will do it. I'm just joking. But I think that is part of the consideration is there's an administrative uh, question to be asked here. And it's, I don't, it's it's not hard, but it's not nothing. I mean, it's certainly something to be reckoned with. So, yeah, Mm. that that could be my campaign slogan. There you go. I'll bring you a tiff, Devola. What are some other pros and cons? Man, I mean, man, (laughs) man. I mean, besides growing tax base, you know, you can help some of the burden of developers. You know, your cons are going to be just your mediation of of the TIF um, backlash. You know, I think, and I think we're probably in this conversation now, mainly talking about all the backlash, sure, you know, of how it's been used and yeah. and where that falls. And honestly, at least here locally, if you had a TIF that was different than what it's been used before, be a big big learning experience for a lot of people to really understand what it could be used for. Well, think you've got somebody in your community like Jared, who's closely watching property values, right? Mm-hmm. And we've got TIFFs in Marietta. So like Wings, et cetera, mm. uh, uh, People's Bank Theater is in a TIFF CRA area. And so think about the investments that have been made there, but those have not been realized into the county property tax revenue yet mm-hmm. because they're still in their TIFF period. Somebody, you know, that's really looking at that be like, well, that's, I'm mad about that. Yeah. <laughs> but understanding, then that's your moment to kind of explain, well, this is part of how we, we wouldn't have had that investment maybe had we not done this. Understand that we're going to realize the benefit of the full value that's been created there yeah. at the end of this period. Now, it is 20 years or 25 years yeah, or 10 a, years or whatever. Most, yeah. most of the ones locally are 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't seem to have any that are active that are in the 30-year period, so they're at least shorter. But yeah. still, someone like Jared who's looking at the numbers would think, well, that stinks. You know, that place has had a lot of improvement. We could be really realizing that property tax revenue, mm-hmm. and we're not yet. We will in 10 years, but we're not. Yeah. But understanding that those improvements are help incentivizing other improvements that are going on there, which will ultimately, yeah. you know, kind of mature at the end. Yeah. You gotta so, be patient. So can I patient. give you a uh, a way to way to whatever you're gonna say? Yes, you can. Okay. Yes, you can. Yes, yeah. uh, not say anymore. <laughs> sometimes Ooh. in real estate, when you get into a a, ta- a, a TIF zone, um, and let's call it a, a 20, 25 year period because that's suitable um, to pay off a building, a piece of real estate that you've developed over time. If you, if the building then becomes an asset of the business that it is operating mm-hmm. and you go to sell the business, right? You can sell the business and not have a property transaction because it's an asset purchase. You're buying the good, the bad, and the ugly of the business, right? Right. So... It, it, there is a way out there for private developers to put a building or a, a parcel in a uh, a business entity and sell that business entity um, without, without transacting the property. Without yeah. transacting the property and thus uh, not incurring you getting the benefit of the TIF long term. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, so sneaky. The, but look, the private sector yeah. it's gonna it's gonna find a way. Um, and it's it's good to do that way. You know, if you're if you're into getting a building to cash flow relatively quickly. But yeah, I just I'm pointing that out because there's no silver bullet. Sure. Um, yeah. and that's why I would say, I I I just would probably go about it a different way. I mean, I would, I, I like, I like the subprime lending. Yeah. There's already rules and regulations in place, you know, from a banking side of, of what needs to take place and how low you can go. Mm-hmm. Um, I like subprime bonding. Mm-hmm. I think that's another great avenue. Um, if you've got a port authority, call them and ask them what they can do for your project. I mean, um, uh, there's uh, in the the port also offers we need to have jesse on here jesse roush is our our local executive director for the port authority all the things that they can do but you know you could actually put the building in their name yeah and then they can buy all the construction materials and save you roughly seven and eight percent on a construction project you know if you're looking at a million dollar job that's nice chunk of savings plus they'll save you on bonding uh it's not free but it's subprime yeah you know so i think those are if people understood those mechanisms more, yeah. you're talking, you know, on a million dollar job, you're talking a hundred thousand dollars plus in savings. Yeah. That's a big freaking deal. So let me, let me ask this question then. And this is for Sam or, or Jared either. So I'm thinking historically, you know, communities have only a few levers at their disposal, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to incentivize projects through property tax abatements or values. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it through income tax abatements or values. And those are kind of the two main levers that we pull. But you know, and, and a TIF is certainly one way to pull the property tax lever. Mm-hmm. And maybe, Jared, so what other incentives outside of property tax or income tax do you think would be meaningful to, to you know, stimulate investment? Because I think we go to those because they're easy. Yeah. And it's also can be damaging because if you inv- incentivize something that's very long term and maybe it doesn't pay off or maybe you give t- too high of a percentage or whatever. Yeah it could be damaging too in the public sphere. So, I mean, thinking about the investments you've made, like what else would, would be helpful other than property tax or income tax? I mean, other, other communities are doing other things and Sam, maybe you've seen it in other communities, but I'm just curious to know what your opinion on what might be helpful otherwise. So for, for me, it's always going to come down to money. Does a building cash flow or not? Uh, I actually wrote a, an article. I may be able to share that. Um, on how I evaluate real estate. You're an author too? Yeah, I'm an author too, man. You do everything. Um, But it has to do with, you know, compounded annual growth rate. And you're basically comparing that passive investment, um, you know, in the stock market called the S&P 500 or whatever, and comparing that real estate transaction to what you could get passively. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So it always comes down to money. So I don't think there are any other incentives um, that I would personally be looking for um, outside of that. Uh, we talked about opportunity zones. Mm-hmm. Um, not really moving the needle yep. um, there. Uh, I don't. I don't have big enough dividends to throw in. Um, you know, that's really for very, very, very large, deep pockets, and you need a great marketing campaign if you're a smaller community like ours. And you want to go after that type of investment, but what I would say is that if there were, if there was a better marketing piece uh, in the city of Parkersburg, uh, downtown PKB, 
does this really well, um, as well as their port authority, um, or economic development arm. I'm not sure exactly if they're called a port authority, yeah. Lindsay. Yeah. Uh, but the the statistics, having up to date statistics on your MSA, of you know from a certain parcel, you're this far away from X Y Z. There's this many people that drive by it a day. Uh, your demographics are roughly, you know, this percentage. Having that type of information readily available so that you could, you know, what we call it is placemaking. What, pick a property, what could go in there? And then we create a business around there because we know that business would do well with these certain demographics. That's how we approach real estate. That's not how everybody does it. A lot of people yeah. just say, I'm going to slap some paint on the walls and, you know, hang a for rent sign and see what happens. Count my money. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're more into placemaking which is what what can this piece of dirt be that's a benefit to the community sure. and a benefit to me yeah right long term whether we you know turn that property in 10 years or not what can this be um, so having all of that information not having to look for it makes the executing decision much quicker so I would say again, subprime lending, 100% loan to value or 90% loan to value. That's going to be the the main driver for me. Um, but also having readily available information, up to date information. Not, well, this is some data we pulled from the census four years ago. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's free. That's, <laughs> that is free. I mean, but, what you're just, what you're saying is so. I think you're 100% right, and it's 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 kind of shameful because that's so easy. You know, so <laughs> yes. considering all of the different economic development arms we have here locally, I think about the chamber, the community foundation, the port, Merida Main Street, the city itself, the county. I feel like we've got a lot of people that's got a lot of data. Sure. That could compile these things. Sure. Um, for communities. But what do I know? I, I think the, the you said it best in terms of place based incentives you know we talked about opportunity zones in a previous episode you know looking at ways that incentivize areas uh, i mean tiff obviously is one way to do that but um to i think cities just like yeah we will we'll you know we'll take care of your property tax you know for and we'll invade it for you know five years whatever and that's enough you know that's and, sure. and the marketing that's the city offers that it's you know if you want that we have it but we're not proactively just do anything really about that or you know putting these resources to good use to to add it to the tool of many different things i think and it'll be this will be my bugaboo all the time is that a city a community should be already targeting you know these types of place-based incentives anyway in their pockets of where they need fit in their community where a comprehensive plan comes helpful yeah. i mean comprehensive plan is going to have all right here's here's this neighborhood here's some projects we want to do you know real real basic what are the funding opportunities it's just going to say tiff you know it's going to it's going to highlight some things but you could get really creative and already just establishing maybe what you want whether what kind of zone that is an empowerment zone or anything that's going to be useful you know moving forward i think is what's best for the community um, and what you have to advocate for. Uh, 
speak because we're talking private and public partnerships all the time, you know, and this even conversations that way. It's what, what do you need in to, to, to be incentivized and what do we need to be doing to incentivize you? And I think public counts too much for the market to, for you to take care of it yourself or, you know, we're being too helpful yeah. and, you know, we, you know, we lose value there. You mentioned it just a couple minutes ago, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a, it is a tough spot. Well, and there's a larger there's a larger game out there, and I think, and I'm glad Jared is using the term placemaking because I mm. think that is so so yeah. so important to communities yeah. like ours. It's important for folks out there to realize that state and federal programs out there are still very heavily focused on the external attraction. How do you bring the next Ford plant mm-hmm. to your community? Our, our kind of our economic development strategy in the nation and in many states is still based on that, and. You guys can have your own take on this, and I'm here to tell you, and I know Jesse would say this, and other friends of the podcast would say, we don't have the sites, we don't have the utility availability, um, we don't have the workforce to ever, maybe ever, have another um, huge industrial investment. We just don't have it. Mm -hmm. But what we do have is incredible opportunity for small and medium-sized business. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so getting back to the TIF idea, using a TIF to incentivize the creation of those small and medium-sized business that we know employ a way higher percentage of folks locally than any of these large operations, which we're going to be very, very, very hard-pressed to ever attract again, yeah. to me is a smarter play than just saying, how do we get Google? It's it's a sustainable play. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And, but, and so it's just, we've got to get out of that mindset. And so I'm glad you're using the word placemaking because that's exactly what it is. We have to play to our strengths. And you've said it great, Jared, you know, what works in our community what kind of investments can we sustain? You know, what sustains us? And so that's a critical thing. And so using this tool, the TIF, to pursue those things, I think is a really smart way. Mm-hmm. And using it to incentivize those things that we're probably never going to get or never hold on to long-term is not a recipe for success, I would argue. Yep. I agree. Well, um, if somebody wants to talk about a TIF to some sort of local official, where do the, who should we point them to? Any, any, you, Brett mentioned earlier, your trustee could, could, could do it. So, and, you know, and when they yell at you, who should you, <laughs> should you go talk to? <laughs> but you, you, you can literally talk to your trustee, your city officials, your county officials, your school board. I mean, you, you know, you can go. Of course, it's based on what the project is. I think sure. it depends on how you ask that question, whether you're, uh, a private citizen, maybe like my, now myself, I've got all these questions in my head about uh, you know where I live and just the public service of uh, sewering to, you know, you would be as a private looking at an area. But I can tell you how to establish a TIF in Ohio um, and what you, yeah, do uh, that. what you must do to enact uh, legislation. Um, and it must do uh, a couple things here. A, designates, you must designate the parcel to be exempt from the taxation. Uh, B declare improvements to private property within that area as serving a pub as serving a public purpose. Um, C delineates the public infrastructure improvement to be made that will directly benefit the parcel. And D spec- uh, specifies the equivalent funds to be created for those redirected monies. So um, only those public infrastructure improvements directly serving the increased demand arising from the real property improvements to the parcels or the incentive dr- district are eligible for TIF financing. So when I hear that, it, I, mean, I strictly just hear public infrastructure. 
you know, mm-hmm. I don't hear big box change. I don't, you know, I don't hear, you know, really job creation. I hear uh, almost a grassroots, grassroots effort to, to redesign your current landscape to allow have shovel ready sites. Shovel, yeah, to, to be yeah. to be ready. And I think that's where the local community is really critical in coming up with what are the projects in which you want to do that. Mm-hmm. And just deciding as a community, we want to do this thing and not not this type of thing, you know, and just figuring out locally what that is yeah. is yeah. a critical part of it. Uh, yeah, before we go here, uh, Jared, I just want to mention again, that this is one way to incentivize, you know, development. So you brought some good topics, I think, that we will target here in the future. I mean, we can do... A two-hour episode of a bunch of uh, <laughs> uh, you know ways to subsidize development, but I think as we target one by one, you know, it's going to be fruitful. I think TIF is just the easiest one in terms to kind of start off. It's the most certainly think, one that people w- heard before. Heard sure. before, um, and uh, any listeners out there, you know, whether it's worked for you or not, yeah. or any other incentives that you your community is doing yep. that you want us to talk about, because even if we're aware of it, but it's working and we think it could even work for our city. We benefit from that as for at to advocate for it. So just uh, let us know. Yeah. We're here in the R and D department, the rip off and duplicate department. Yep. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <Hit us up. laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us uh, on this episode. Uh, if you've got any questions, be sure to reach out support at my town Uh If you haven't yet, man, Hook us up with a five-star review. Uh, we'd we'd really, really appreciate that. I don't care where you're listening, uh, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever. Um, that, that really helps us get the word out. So uh, until next time, see you then. Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening. We stop.